I'm Steve Fisher. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines a museum as an institution devoted to the procurement, care, study, and display of objects of lasting interest or value. There are museums devoted to art, science, culture, and one that celebrates the penis. Thorda Thordeson is the manager of the Icelandic Phallological Museum. What do you do when you have, like, I think just over 50 50 penises, some of them, like, taxidermied, others in, like, formaldehyde cylinders, like, you open a museum. He's here to tell us what you'll discover there and what you won't on Life Slices. We're here today with Thorder Thordeson. Who is Thorder Thordeson? I am the head philologist and assistant curator of the Icelandic Phallological Museum situated in Reykjavik, the capital of Iceland. What is the Icelandic Phallological Museum? We are uh, a museum entirely dedicated to uh, penises, the collection of research of and presentation of penises or phalluses from basically biological phalluses from uh, any mammal we can get our hands on and all like cultural aspects of the phallus. Oh, cultural aspects too. Okay, so it's not just the physical member. No, no, no. We 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 try to find the connections in text uh, in uh, like art and we we have various different kind of like phallic idols uh, we 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 research phallic worship you know basically whatever aspect you can find of the phallus i didn't even realize that there is an actual study called phallology describe what phallology is it is basically the study of the phallus and all things phallic first and foremost like the study of physical phalluses, but it is basically a nonsense word which was invented by our founder. But sometimes an, a good idea can develop into uh, something more. <laughs> so now let's talk about your founder, because a lot of people would say this is a very odd hobby to have. But how did the museum get started? It began in, uh, I, I believe he received his first specimen, if I remember correctly, in 1973 or 74. He uh, worked as a headmaster in a school in a small town in Iceland. And he he spoke of a different time, an older time, when people utilize everything from the animal. And as a, as a young boy, he had used a bull penis pizzle to like direct and herd sheep when during the fall and like you know he was saying to his colleagues over over some drinks like you know back in the day we used everything from the animal now we just throw things away and when i was young i used this like bull penis pizzle to direct the sheep and apparently they found this you know quite funny some of them worked in a local slaughterhouse other worked others worked in a whaling station and both at the slaughterhouse and the whaling station the the bull penises were one of the few things which weren't utilized by the bull. And uh, initially, they gave him like a bull penis pizzle, like the one he had as a young boy. And this became an ongoing joke. And those who worked at a whaling station, they gave him uh, whale penises, which weren't, weren't used. And, you know, you could say that this ongoing joke 
developed for him into a passion. I don't know at which time he he decided on a lofty goal, and that was to collect every species, uh, every mammal species of the Icelandic mammal fauna, which isn't that incredible. Uh, we, we have just over about, you know, 30 species of mammal in Iceland. But, you know, when the whale penises began piling up in the living room, eventually his wife just said, like, no more. <laughs> Find a different hobby. You can't have the penises in the house anymore. So what do you do when you have, like, uh, I think just over 50, uh, 50 penises, some of them, like, uh, taxidermy to others in like f- formaldehyde cylinders like you open a museum <laughs> who who i mean is there a big call for people wanting to come to the museum how many visitors do you tend to get a day our, our biggest year yet was uh 2018 and in the entire year we got ninety six thousand visitors at the moment, we are in the low season of the year, but we're still getting well over 100 people. Last March was our biggest year yet, I think. We got, on average, well over 200 people. I think well over 200 people a day is our yearly average, I'd say. Wow. So who, who are the typical visitors? Who, who would want to come to this museum? We get a lot of Americans, and we get a lot of people from England, or Britain, Britain rather. It's strangely enough, a lot of them say, oh, you could never do this back in the U.S., or you could never do this back in England. But I, I, don't, I don't know. I think you, sell, you guys sell yourselves short. <laughs> there, there, are, there are just so many jokes flowing through my head, and I'm, I'm resisting it because I want to make this a serious discussion of the topic and not not just joke about it. Selling myself short was not something I wanted to hear necessarily. The- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. We'll, we'll forgive that. What is the museum's mission? The museum's mis- uh, mission is basically to collect, col- collect penises and, well, well, I, t- I take collect phalluses and phallic material in every way and shape we, ca- we, we, are, we can, basically. We want to maintain the legacy established by our founder, and that is to have like a tasteful approach to the subject. We want to be a place where you can come basically with your children. It is when you come to the museum, you engage in comparative anatomy. There is nothing erotic. There is nothing perverted in the museum. It is merely a presentation of an organ. And he was our founder. He was a teacher at heart. And that is what we are looking to maintain. And that is our goal. But also, you know, hopefully uh, just being a a place where, you know, people can enjoy themselves and maybe uh, give people something to talk to, talk about. (laughs) I'm sure yeah. they would have something to talk about. They describe what they see when they come to the museum. When you come to the come to the museum, you are going to see the world's largest collection of biological, well, actual biological specimens. We have, I think, at the moment, we have over 130 species of mammal, and we present them in very good lighting with 
let's say, uh, about as, as much phallological information as you can have. We go into as, aspects like mating habits and average penis things, but we also go into like phallological oddities about every creature. Also, we engage in, in all, basically every cultural aspect we, we can we, any any angle we can find we've uh, we have like a growing department on when people can look at penis worship through the ages and all of its forms and and different cultures also we have uh, one of our most popular and yet misunderstood sections is is a, a a mythical section or rather a folklore section where we have uh, penises from 22 mythical creatures from icelandic folklore how do you find those I have no idea. You would, you would, uh, you would have to talk to to our founder about that. But he assures me that they're all totally authentic. But he he won't say how he acquired them. How he how he acquired. Them. Well, then, well, then, wouldn't that kind of raise the question of if they're not actually mythological creatures, they're real creatures? Yes, yeah, <laughs> they, they kind of would. But like, some of them can only be seen by the by the more, more astute. You mentioned that phallological oddities. Can you give me an example of what an oddity would be? For for instance, like I don't know if you know, but like elephants have incredible motion control over their penises. For instance, they can scratch themselves with their penis. Also, it is alleged uh, we can't really confirm this, but a gentleman assured us that he has seen an elephant walking up a steep hill and using his penis like a fifth leg or a staff to help him walk up the steep hill. That is, that is, that is one aspect of it. Uh, an, another aspect is like, did you know that rabbits actually, okay, they have two testicles like we do, but they have also uh, two scrotums. There's one scrotum for each testicle. It makes it easier if they get kicked in the groin. Yeah, yeah. If they lose one, the other one's good. (laughs) When you were talking about the elephants, all I could picture was, I wonder if if porn stars can do the same thing. I don't know. I I, I, I don't think I've ever met any porn stars. The next time, next time we have one, I'll, I'll ask. Now, your website says that you have more than two hundred penises and penile parts. What are penile parts? Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, well, uh, just to up, update the information, our our upside is quite dated. We are working on an update, but I think we are well over three hundred and sixty penises and penile parts at the moment. We are actually verified as having the world's largest con- collection. Penile part is in in many cases like when uh, people from the U.S. have sent us like penile parts. It's pretty difficult to send via mail uh, like an entire organ with, you know, of course, tissue deteriorates, begins to rot. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of uh, penis bones sent. All land predators, except hyenas and humans, have a bone in their penis. So uh, not many people know that. But, uh, yeah, we get, uh, especially like from the U.S., we have a lot of penis bones. And you know, for for your just just so you know, the the allegedly the bone has the function of maintaining uh, an erection for many subsequent mating bouts with with different mates over a short period of time. 
it is because like within like usually with the predators there's a lot of competition to be the alpha and when you're mating you expose yourself to being attacked so you want to do a lot of mating over a very short period of time it kind of makes sense doesn't it 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 does and and uh, it kind of reminds me of my 20s but we won't get into that <laughs> yeah <laughs> Now, I trust that none of these are collected from living organisms. How exactly are they collected? Well, uh, most of our whale penises are actually from beached whales. A few of them were obtained, I think, maybe three or four. Like at the time when Iceland was big on whaling, we are not anymore. So most of our specimens and most of our larger specimens are from beached whales. Like with domesticated animals, these are sometimes pets which have passed. Always, no penis has been from a living, no no penis or penis part has been been from a living animal except for one gentleman who was circumcised and he wanted to give us his foreskin. But uh, like uh, for uh, for one time, uh, there was a, a zoo in Belgium. Uh, there was a, a dromedary which you know basically died of old age there, and the zookeeper wanted to bring us its 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 phallus, and you know we we were very happy to get it. So basically, through the goodwill of our guests and people who hear, hear from us, that is like kind of the secret behind the the collection. Also, Iceland has kind of laxed laws compared to most other places, and that that helps a lot as well. It is legal to collect penises in in Iceland. As as of now, it still is. I hope it will be, uh, still will be. So, <laughs> yeah. As a little aside, I just do have to say that I thought that it was interesting that there was a penis museum, but I had, but there was no vagina museum. But then I found there is one in London. I invited the woman who founded it go head to head. Pardon the. The, the pun with you yeah. on, on this thing, but she declined. But there is yeah. one to get equal time, and it was inspired by your museum. Yes. I uh, I know that they went under, like like sadly so many other businesses during COVID, I heard that they went, went under. It was, uh, we were quite lucky. We have always been like we're responsible with our like, uh, finances at the Phytological Museum. And I, I, I guess, you know, it, it was a bloodbath here in Iceland, like with COVID, like with, with businesses, like like everywhere else. But um, I, I think it, Iceland in many ways came out better than, than many other places, I think. But we are, we're still very dependent on the tourist industry, so it's good to have it back. So who invests in, in this museum? How do you keep the museum running? Is it strictly on admission fees? We are entirely run on admission fees. Uh, we In 2020, we opened a bistro. And also we have, well, we have a gift shop as well, but we are... We don't get any government or city support. And I don't know. I guess you could say like when we initially opened, we were – the city wasn't exactly thrilled with us being being there. But I think they highly appreciate us at the moment because I think we bring a lot of business to other uh, – basically to, to the area that we're in. Are you right in downtown Reykjavik? We are. We Actually, yeah. We Like I said, we, we moved in 2020. We moved to the 
other side of the downtown area we were previously at. We are right by the old harbor at the moment. I think just probably you you can't buy, find a, a better area for the museum. So we, we're very happy right now where we are. Now, I know every museum has their holy grail of, of one or more items they would love to feature but have not been able to find. What is your museum's holy grail? A few years ago, we got the uh, opportunity of uh, obtaining a lion, uh, a penis from an old lion, which, which had passed in, a, in, a, well, uh, in, a, in an animal reserve. But apparently, uh, it was uh, like mistaken by some summer workers for a fillet, and oh. it, an attempt was made to uh, cook it. Oh, so no. we we lost the lion. Uh, well, I, I was I was told that it was by a mistake, but if I, I also need to quote our. Our, our founder with that he he was uh, he said it would it would, it would be very interesting to get like uh, a donation from a, a famous actor or like maybe a famous politician he he mentioned Sylvester Stallone or Clark Gable <laughs> well Stallone is still with us Gable's long gone so yeah, I'm not yeah, sure maybe. you would find anything there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe not with Gable, but you know, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe Stallone listens to listens to Life Slices, and he'll contact us. <laughs> okay, we'll see what we can do. Now, I do understand that you don't have any human penises at the moment, but that you have pledges from people. Oh, we we actually have one human penis at the moment. You do. Yeah, we obtained a human penis in 2011. There was actually, a, there, there were two gentlemen who were very interested in being our first hu, human do, donator. Uh, one was an American, and the other was, a, well, a, an Icelandic senior. And the American wanted to donate, to donate while still alive, but the Icelander always intended to donate after he passed, but the American was very enthusiastic, but when the 95-year-old Icelandic man passed and we got his, it seemed like the American kind of lost interest. But <laughs> yeah, we we have one human specimen, and it, it is from a, a 95-year-old Icelandic bachelor who claimed in his time to have bedded over 300 women. Wow. So so that thing was well used. Yeah, well, allegedly. <laughs> And and I can't I can't imagine somebody wanting to donate while still alive. Well, he said that he liked the idea of visiting his own penis. <laughs> I I believe there there was a documentary made by uh, Canadian filmmakers. It's called The Final Member. It it, it documents like this. I I guess you could say rivalry between these gentlemen pretty well there was it gives a limited in, insight into the museum but it, it documents the the uh, these gentlemen pr- pretty good i think yeah i think i watched a little bit of it online yeah i think most men probably would not want to donate their their penises especially while still alive unless your your social life is just so much in the dumps that you figure you're never going to use it again yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, uh, I, I think he said that he was divorced three or four times or something like that. 
And after being married three times, it's surprising he still had one left. <laughs> Where would people find more information? We have an uh, an Instagram account, which is called Phallus Museum. That also happens to be our handle on Twitter. We are, Our website is up and running. It is phallus.is, uh, P-H-A-L-L-U-S dot I-S. It is active. It is going to be updated really, really soon. People are going to find uh, some very up-to-date date information there. Yeah, I think I think th- those are probably the best places. Probably, you know, I'm I'm hoping, you know, rather sooner than later, our a new website will be up to date and have all the information, you know, which is you know essential. If anybody has any questions, you can always send us an email to uh, phallus at phallus dot is. So yeah, that's that, p h at phallus dot is. Yeah, p h a l l u s. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It is what would you like people to know about you or the museum or philology in general that I haven't asked about? I believe your your uh, your questions have been have been quite a- adequate, but uh, I think that you know I, it's something that I've touched on. But I I think if you come to Iceland, we are probably the most unique experience that you're going to get here. And if you if you come to the museum with an open mind. And don't expect us to be pornographic and are or erotic and are willing to read and uh, we'll do a little bit of reading and just engage in a, like a little bit of com- comparative anatomy. I think you can really enjoy yourself. Also, I mean, we have a bistro there. We have excellent cooks at our museum. I, I have to say, and you can bring drinks into our museum. There's a very relaxed atmosphere and. We're just a friendly place, and we have really, really, uh, our American guests have been just fantastic. They have been really, really good. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing you don't have penis steaks on the menu. We do not, but we specialize in penis-themed waffles, and it's only a theme. I'm afraid to ask. It's only the shape. It's only the shape. Cool. Have you have you thought of making a partnership with Disney and coming up with an animatronic penis to greet people when they come in the door? We have not. We have not. But uh, that's an idea. There may be something we can work upon. Sounds great. Well, Thoughter, I, I really appreciate your time. And uh, what time is it there? It is uh, 50 minutes past uh, 10, so... Wow, yeah. and and still light, or is it, am I seeing lights through the window? Uh, yeah, lights through the window. We 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 are the you know place of the midnight sun. Well, uh, the land of the midnight sun. What what is it? I think the Latin the Led Zeppelin song, immigrant song, the land of the ice and snow, or the midnight sun where the hot springs blow. Right. I love it. All right, that song's yeah. going to be in my head for the rest of the day now. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And thanks for being on Life Slices. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. My thanks to Thorter Thordeson for sharing his knowledge and good humor. The fact that Iceland can have a museum devoted to the penis without anything salacious should inspire me to end the podcast without a glib comment. But I can't stop thinking about elephants being able to use theirs as another leg. It's probably a good thing that's not true for humans. Although I can't but wonder what Nike would design for the end of it. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like us on social media and subscribe wherever you find fine podcasts. 
Life Slices is produced by Beatnik Ravens Productions, all rights reserved. Music courtesy of Fesley and Studios.